This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. We're going to be hitting your subscriber questions on this edition of the podcast. And we've got quite a few of them. So let's go ahead and we'll jump right in. Was asked about SMU's chances with the NFL draft and who I think could very well be the highest drafted player for SMU this year. And I'm going to go ahead and bet on Reggie Robertson. And here's why. One, we saw James Prochet go in the sixth round of the Baltimore Ravens. And part of the reason why I think James ended up going that late is... Look, that 40, he never ran it you know, before the combine. I don't think it would have been something that it would have wowed anyone. And so he ends up going in the sixth round. Now you look at Reggie. He's going to run in that 4-4, four, four, low 4-4 four, four range at the highest, I think. I mean, he is a legit track guy. And so uh, I think you know that's something where he's going to be able to parlay that into a higher draft position than James did as long as Reggie Robertson can stay healthy. So I think he's going to have a big year. He's going to be able to stay healthy. And that's, you know, of course, uh, making sure that there is football and everything like that is played. And, And even, you know, if it's a shortened season, I think Reggie's going to put up huge numbers with Shane Bouchelle. And the thing about Shane is just with this quarterback class that's going to be coming out in 2021, I think he's going to be a later round draft pick, in my opinion. Again, I think size just isn't something that's going to wow him. He's not going to have an elite level arm or anything like that in terms of the NFL draft and how the scouts will view him. So I'm going to pick Reggie to go ahead of Shane Bouchelle. But I think if both have the year that that we're kind of all expecting, they're going to be able to to both get drafted and, and give SMU something it hasn't had in quite some time. So I'm going to bet on Reggie Robertson to have a big year, stay healthy, and and be the highest-picked uh, SMU Mustang in the 2021 NFL Draft. I did have a quick question from our board on Penn State graduate transfer quarterback Michael Johnson Jr. Or not graduate transfer. I think he's just a regular transfer. But uh, anyway, SMU has had some ties there back to the Cal days when they were recruiting Michael Johnson Jr. there. And they are not going to pursue him. So I think you'll see mainly things get addressed on the defensive side like they did with Brandon Crosley. Who knows what what other prospects end up in the portal over the summer and kind of as you know, maybe some players want to move closer to home during all of this. But uh, no go on Michael Johnson Jr., the Penn State grad, uh, the Penn State transfer quarterback. Now. We shift gears and head over to the recruiting side of things where SMU is sitting just outside the top 40 in the 2021 recruiting class. And I was asked two questions. How many recruits do I think end up in the 2021 class? And then what is kind of the dream scenario finish for SMU? And I'll start with the dream scenario because it's very easy to pick this one up. And it would be landing Braylon Jackson and David Abiara, uh, who 
both one has been a longtime SMU target, the Mansfield Lake Ridge a defensive lineman Braylon Jackson, who uh, is starting to trend to SMU, I think, on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. And then David Abiara, who is the Notre Dame commit, who's a four-star defensive lineman, one of the best in Texas. And he's been kind of rumored to potentially flip to OU, but things have kind of picked up with SMU as far as an offer going out to him. So he's one to watch now. And then from there, I think Jalen Williams, the the uh, defensive back in Texas, who's been blowing up, and he's got, a, I believe, like a 10-600 meter. So he's somebody to watch that would be, you know, another corner ad. And I don't think one that SMU would be able to turn away at this point, even with Bryce McMorris and Brandon Crosley on board. You add that uh, piece to the secondary, the safety position's already done. And then I think you're done on defense for the most part there. And then you flip over to the offensive side of the ball. And the dream scenario is Savion Bird, the four-star offensive lineman out of Duncanville. Kamar Wheaton, the four-star running back out of Lake uh, Garland, uh, Lakeview Centennial. And then his teammate, Ezra Oatede, I believe I uh, nailed that. But he's been blowing up. He's a four-star offensive lineman on 24-7 sports. He does has, have SMU among his top group, just they're in a trail position right now. Uh, to land him at this point probably not in the top three I would say uh, but they're around and they're hanging around and who knows again dream scenario that would be it and then you add in Jack Lair the Highland Park offensive lineman who is an, is an SMU legacy and somehow if they found a way to keep him close to home um, that would be the dream scenario and then adding Keetron Jackson I think at, at the wide receiver position would again be a dream scenario finish so the dream scenario would involve I believe around seven more additions to the class that would put it right around 19 recruits but I think they end up signing 17 high school prospects Braylon Jackson would be one of them Savion Bird I've got my crystal ball pick in for him uh, to go to SMU and then three best available types or or addressing the offensive line with another pickup so I talked I mentioned Lair, I mentioned Otede uh, Joseph Amos, the Lancaster deep, uh, Lancaster offensive lineman, uh, would be one to watch. And then from there, I think they're going to be over, you know, pretty selective. I think Keechon Jackson, Jerram Bradley, uh, those are prospects that we've talked about on on Pony Stampede a bit over this uh, you know COVID nineteen dead period. But I, I think again they're going to be selective, and if they don't like what they see, uh, that would be uh, you know a situation where they they you know opt to hold it for a transfer. And I forgot to mention Remington Strickland. I, I think he's somebody to certainly watch. And so that would put them right at about uh, four more commits. If it was Braylon, Savion Bird, uh, and then Remington Strickland, and um, and then another offensive lineman. That would be four more additions to get to 16. And then somewhere in there is another best available that I could see them adding. So I think, I think anywhere 16 to 18 is probably your best bet uh, for SMU in this class. I don't think they're going to load it up. Um, and, and then they'll go from there. But part of the big turnaround for Sonny Dykes in this program has been recruiting and they've recruited very well and they've addressed key positions and they've addressed it via transfer, via JUCO, via high school. And that's probably been, I think the biggest key to Sonny's uh, turnaround versus June Jones and Chad Morris. And there's a couple of different ways. And so what I'm responding to right now is a question of, how have the turnarounds differed and what has made Sonny relatively more, you know, more successful right away than June and Chad. And, and I do think that 
it's just it's different for Sonny Dykes to walk in, you know, to a place that he's very familiar with as a college football coach. Whereas one, Chad Morris was still a rel- a very inexperienced college coach uh, and had come from the high school ranks back to Texas. Whereas June Jones, of course, was a total outsider. So you have Sonny Dykes, who is comes from a just an incredible football family uh, with Spike Dykes, his dad, and and obviously spent a ton of time in Texas, whether it be a junior college and high school and Texas Tech. I mean, he's been all over and he's been recruiting Texas or around Texas for basically his entire life. So in terms of recruiting, it was very easy for him to walk in and have an idea of where to go and and how to address positions and get prospects and and get new players. And then, of course, the, the portal was just so different when Sonny Dykes took over. That allowed them to really capitalize on bringing players back to Dallas and addressing that. And Chad Morris kind of had the right idea, okay, like going in Texas to get those players but he wanted to do it, Texas high school football, built, born, bred, all of that. And he, I don't think, considered, and I remember having a conversation with uh, some of the coaches when they were here, and they just didn't, they weren't real big on recruiting junior college players because they felt maybe they couldn't get it done at SMU academically or for whatever reason, they did not want to address positions with JUCO players. They wanted to build it and build a program that way, which it you can you can do that, but SMU is not in a position once June Jones left to do that and be sustainable and be good. And of course, they missed on a lot of evaluations. I mean, we we know that having watched it unfold, and and then when Sonny came in, those evals, those missed evals, had manifested themselves into juniors and seniors and redshirt sophomores and and kind of the upper classmen that you just they couldn't just run off. But what Sonny Dykes did and, and the whole staff did was they really set about transforming the, the the lines. I mean, from the offensive line especially, they did a great job recruiting wide receivers, which SMU hasn't really needed. Like all the elite wide receivers that they've recruited under Sonny Dykes and David Grew, they haven't really emerged yet outside of Rasheed Rice. Now the high school ones will see kind of what they've got. Uh, and then, of course, Danny Gray out of the junior college ranks. But you know, they're stacking wide receiver talent in a big way. And then, you know, with Sonny, they had two veteran backs and Cayman Freeman and, and Xavier Jones. Um, they had Braden West for that one year, I believe. I, I think I have that right. Um, but overall, I mean, they had enough plug and play difference makers with Prochet. Um, they they had, uh, you know, brought in uh, Kylan Granson and Reggie Robertson and and they just had enough to get by, I think, in the in the first year. And obviously, they missed out on going to a bowl game. But I think the the big thing that I've watched with Sonny running the program is his commitment to fundamentals. And he recorded a social distance series video with us at twenty four seven Sports this week, and that'll drop on Monday, which will be a real great listen, I think, for you guys. I've I've heard it all, and it's really really good. But one of the things he really talked about was fundamentals and how that is what his system and his program is rooted in. And that comes from Mike Leach, that comes from Hal Mummy, and all of those guys that he spent time with during his coaching career. And I think that's the biggest thing. And he's hired good coaches who understand how to teach those fundamentals and, and, and put them uh, in place. And so that's why you see SMU get better 
I think most of so they fell apart his first year at the end. They lost two straight games. They were turning over a culture. I think that stuck with a lot of the guys. And then they come back this past year and they have a huge year to win 10 games. They lose to Memphis. They lose to Navy. Down the stretch, it wasn't great. And the bowl game was the bowl game. But they lose by a touchdown to Navy and a touchdown to Memphis. So they were right there. It wasn't like they folded. It wasn't like they fell apart. Losing Reggie Robertson was huge. Losing Richard Moore earlier in the season was huge. And they just couldn't sustain. And But the fundamentals that they relied on allowed them to get a win over Tulane, allowed them to get a win over East Carolina, and just kind of, again get by and get to that 10 win mark and and do that so I think the commitment to fundamentals and it also goes back to Kaz Kazadi being the strength and conditioning coach that has all really helped SMU be a sustainable uh, program under Sonny Dykes I mean they've they've really just done a good job uh, harping on the fundamentals and I think it starts with Kaz Kazadi and Sonny Dykes being the you know the kind of the lead guys setting the tone and setting the culture so um, that's probably the biggest thing is you know, the real commitment to fundamentals, I think, is probably the, the biggest thing that's happened so far, um, you know, at, at, at SMU. And their ability uh, with this staff to address the needs that they uh, needed to address right away. And uh, I was asked, how did Rafe Peavy and DJ Gillins not beat out a young Ben Hicks? I think part of that, uh, and I know this is kind of a question in jest, but I think one, uh, Chad was you know, very married to Ben Hicks. That was his guy. That was the guy that he brought in in December and, you know, recruited as an early enrollee and flipped him from Houston. And when Houston had their coaching change too, and, um, you know, they said that they're going to be the, he's going to be the one to lead SMU back. And, and he did, and he did that for all of the bad that was Ben Hicks. You know, he did, he was a big part of it. And, but DJ was, was just a little too slow with the ball. Uh, Rafe, I don't think was explosive enough. Like I think Rafe would have been great in like an air raid and just hitting, you know, crossing routes and hitting high percentage throws and heat. Like if that was the system they were trying to run, like if Sonny had that quarterback room, I would think Rafe would have won it. Um, and he's just, you know, just had a more pro, pro approach and a mature approach to it. But yeah, I mean, it, that was, I think the biggest thing was that just Ben Hicks and Chad Morse were married and, uh, married to each other when when he signed him as the quarterback uh, to come on in. So, um, but enough of that. Kind of moving on to some notes around college football with the Big Ten and ACC opting to play non-conference uh, or opting not to play non-conference games, and kind of the impact on that uh, could have on SMU. I mean, look, I I don't know what it's going to look like, and this is pretty unprecedented. But if other leagues like the SEC or the Big Twelve opt to play you know only conference games you're looking at you know traveling you're looking at SMU schedule as it is in the AAC and then adding on those other conference games to it and I don't know how that looks I don't know what happens to that but I would guess that's what they do and it's so ridiculous to me that that's a thing and one of my friends who uh you know, we talk a lot of college football and he made a great point and I agree to it agree with it and it's you know what's the difference when you're talking about, like, for example, SMU going to East Carolina this year, what's the difference between that and getting on a bus and playing TCU? Or if you're TCU and I haven't looked at their schedule, but let's say they got to go play Ames, you know, but they can't 
get on a bus and go play SMU. So that's kind of the uh, you know ridiculousness I think of that decision being made. And ultimately, I think for the most part, it's made to push back college football start date. That's kind of what I take away from it without having really talked to anyone about it. But uh, part of some of the things that'll you know affect the athletic department is is you know obviously what happens if there's no fans and things like that. And and Rick Hart has already you know said they've and this is a this is kind of this is old. This is way back. You know, so somebody asked about the one point three million dollar in in um, kind of budget cuts um and really i mean i haven't heard that it's affected much of anything football and and basketball wise that was how the question was phrased on our subscriber board and the thing about it is is they had you know i think you know blake you saw blake brockermeyer was furloughed and he was all he was already leaving to be his uh, son's you know offensive line coach uh, for their final year of high school but they made some like slight tweaks but overall I mean they really haven't been too affected by it I think the the interesting thing will be is what will they miss out on in terms of tickets or what have you uh, if you know they can't have a full season or whatever I mean all of that is just you just don't know I have no idea but they're you know navigating it I think SMU is probably in one of the better positions just overall I just think they're they're very conservative in how they do everything and as much grief as people give SMU at times for doing that I think this is one of those times where because they're conservative in how they do things and they don't have a bunch of debt sitting around uh, on on many levels that they're going to be okay for the most part um, but you know I, I think it's natural for many cuts to happen to plan ahead but in terms of like dire situation I don't see SMU being in that situation I really haven't heard much panic from anyone in terms of that part of it there's panic and the fact that gosh you know the football season what's going to happen or whatever it's not really panic it's worry concern but you know other than that I mean it's just just, they're a conservative university and they they've played it pretty well I think to to this point of of the whole deal so um finally was asked uh, do I think there will be non-revenue sports in the fall and I would say there. I think there will be some. I don't know what it looks like. I just don't know. I haven't heard anything. Um, I just think there's enough like individual sports that are non-revenue that they can have and, and have competitions. And then hypothet- hypothetically, if football is pushed all the way out to the spring, both high school and NCAA, would that help or hurt SMU? I'm not sure, obviously. But the thing is, is will somebody like Reggie or will somebody like Sh- Shane, which I think Shane would, um, but and this goes across college football would those elite players play a season in the spring then go right into the draft would they have to go to the combine would they have to do this what would the combine look like when would the draft be and then they've got to go into OTAs for the next season if the 2021 20, NFL season starts on time you know all of those things would be the question marks I would have for how that would all look and then would you see some attrition off the roster and say like okay I'm done here you know, I don't. I'm not gonna play, get hurt, ruin my draft stop stock, and then miss my rookie year because I tore my ACL. But on the flip side, somebody like Reggie, somebody like Shane, they still need to prove some things. But I mean, if you're Trevor Lawrence, do you do that? If you're Justin Fields, do you do that? Do you do you skip it? Do you declare? That's um, you know part of the issue. So we'll we'll see. I don't think 
I think it would help SMU. I think you would see some guys like Savion Bird or whoever. Obviously, by that point, if things are pushed to the spring, that means there's no way they're having visits this fall. And that's my opinion. But if they're not going to allow football teams to play each other, they're not going to allow recruits to come and visit campus and potentially bring COVID onto the campus. That If they're canceling a football season, they're not going to be like, oh, okay, like, but no, it's fine if you visit if you're a recruit. You know, they're canceling a college football season. That means they they think this is a huge, huge deal, uh, which of course it is. But you've, you like to cancel it, to really cancel it. That just shows how dire it is in their opinion. And so that means there's no way they're going to just allow a recruit from across the country to come and visit. So I think it would help SMU. I'd help. I think it helped them get their class locked in and and done. Um, and sign early, and we'll see what happens from there. But I would think guys wouldn't risk injury or their scholarships, and they would sign early. Um, that's my opinion. Moving on, finally, to basketball. Isaiah Mike left for the professional ranks. Now Tyson Jolly, next man up. Do I agree? Yes, I agree. Tyson Jolly's poised for a big year. Uh, he's such a hard worker, really, really, really uh, tough player I think he makes that team go with Kendrick Davis and so I think both of those guys are poised for big years uh I think Ethan Shagwa will get back into the starting lineup I don't think there's any doubt of that if you wanted an early starting lineup prediction I would go Kendrick Davis Tyson Jolly Darius McNeil Ferran Hunt and Ethan Shagwa that would be my early starting lineup and lastly was asked about a SMU target for the 2021 cycle and that's Marseille Caston who was a former 20 19 2018 yeah 2019 recruiting target for SMU he ended up in the junior college ranks had a big year and he would not be here for the 2020 2021 season he's entering his sophomore year for uh his junior college so he's getting recruited and he'll he'll sign somewhere this spring I saw junior college also push push things back to the spring so tough news there for them as well but think that's all we have time for on this edition of the podcast hope you guys enjoyed it we'll be back next week with more of our position previews we'll break down the corner room to start next week and we'll also dive into uh, some more of uh, what to expect as honestly training camp not far away if it's going to start on time SMU by the way as a final note announced uh, four I believe positive or five four or five positive COVID-19 tests across 94 student athletes tested. So pretty good. 89 of 94, I think is what it was, um, tested um, tested negative for COVID-19. So a good number for SMU. Things are rolling along. Uh, they haven't gone to phase two yet, but that's a good number of uh, new arrivals too. 79 of them, uh, including much of the football uh, team being among the new testers. So Good news for SMU there for the most part on the COVID-19 case front. With that, guys, going to wrap up this podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Quick reminder to subscribe to PonySnampede.com as well as subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and leave us a review. We appreciate you guys and thanks for listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 